Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. So as I sat down to edit this episode today, I realized, oh my goodness, I don't think I've ever actually formally interviewed anybody before in my entire life. You would have thought that I would have thought that one through a little bit better before I started telling the world that I'm going to do a podcast where I'm interviewing people. Well, that's just how my brain works. And I'll tell you what, though, it's kind of how I've been through most of this pandemic. That's kind of where this podcast even comes from. I've just kind of been living by like, let it fly. Like life is too short. I'm just going to go for it. And so that's what I'm doing. So as you listen to the interview, please be patient with me. Again, like I said, I have 46 years old. I've never interviewed anybody in my life. So after listening to it, I know there's some things I need to get better at. So hang in there with me and be patient. The other piece I want to share with you is I have taken your advice. I've cut down the advertisement in half. It was way too long in the first episode, and my good friends gave me that feedback. You need those people in your life that will give it to you straight. They're like, oh, it was really good, except the advertisement's way too long. So got it. No more of that. And So I cut that down for everybody. Some ways you can help me that I just want to throw out there that I haven't done before is please, if you like this, if you go to iTunes and give this a positive rating, and maybe even if you feel comfortable to write a review, particularly at the beginning of a podcast when it gets started, that definitely helps out in regards to getting this out in front of more listeners. So if you can help me out from that regard, that would be greatly appreciated. I also want to share with you that All of my social media is linked directly to my website. So feel free to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Those links can all be found on obsessedwiththeweather.com. So if you go to obsessedwiththeweather.com and check out those links, that would be awesome. The final sort of infomercial, hang in there, I'm almost done. The final sort of infomercial I want to share is that at the end of every episode, when it's over... I have provided links to the topics that my guest and I talk about. So, for example, today, Jared and I talk a little bit about Irish mossing. And so I've put on my website, website under the episodes link, a link to find out more about Irish mossing. So if there's anything we really get into that you didn't know much about, I'm pretty sure I've put a link to it at my website, obsessedwiththeweather.com. Okay, let's get to it. So this is my interview with Jared Carlberg. You're going to absolutely love it. Enjoy. Obsessed with the Weather is brought to you by Jim Wolf and Wolf Painting Company, the premier interior and exterior painting company on the south shore of Massachusetts. Contact owner Jim Wolf today at 617-435-1793 or visit wolfpaintingco.com. That's W-O-L-F-E, don't forget that E, paintingco.com for a free estimate and mention the promo code Obsessed with the Weather for a 10% discount off your full painting project. Everywhere he goes, people want to know what's the weather, so he tells them. He's obsessed with the weather, any type of weather, he's obsessed.
Hi, and welcome to the Obsessed with the Weather podcast. I'm your host, Steve McGuire, and this podcast is coming to you from the home of some of the world's most diverse weather, Situate, Massachusetts. A reminder to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever you're listening to on podcasts these days, or to visit obsessedwiththeweather.com to find out more information about this podcast and some other fun things about the weather. I have an awesome episode for you today as I welcome uh, in my studio, also known as the back of my garage, uh, Jared Carlberg, who is the owner and operator of the Mildred, which we're going to get into here uh, as we go along. But first, as always, let us begin with our weather quiz. So our weather quiz is this. Uh, we just finished up here a four-day heat wave in many parts of New England as the summer of just beautiful weather continues. Other parts of the United States have basically had a continuous heat wave for most of the summer. So all that being said, our question is simply this. What are the qualifications for there to be an official heat wave declared? Basically, when you hear the term heat wave, what does that mean? And again, we'll have the quiz answered at the end. Please don't Google it. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, that's no fun. So what is a heat wave and what are the qualifications that make it? So as I said, uh, so excited to have my friend and uh, long-term, long-time Situate resident, Jared Carlberg, in studio today. Jared, welcome. What's up, Steve? Awesome to have you here. Um, can't wait to have our interview here today and talk all about it. So um, the first thing I, I love starting with folks, it's, I always think it's super awkward when podcast hosts read like a five-minute bio of the person, right? So just tell us kind of how you, how you got to where you are today, what you're all about, and the stage is yours. Take it away, Jared. Uh, I'm Jared Hallberg. I grew up in Situate, right down the street from uh, Steve's garage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're uh, pretty close to a beach, obviously, Peggy Beach. And uh, my childhood was a significant amount of time at the beach, yeah, and the beach leads to led me to lobstering, mossing, rock weeding, uh, doing all sorts of that kind of stuff, which then led me into the commercial fishing industry, and then I don't know. You haven't looked twenty two years later. Here I am. Ah, incredible! <laughs> right. So, uh, so Jared's a, a commercial fisherman. Uh, Jared, tell us a little bit about. So, obviously, you know, you said we live. Um, Jared, so Jared grew up in the neighborhood of where we're broadcasting from today. So if we do the math, it's 0.21 miles from our house to the beach. So it's probably like 0.25 miles from your house to the beach. And, you know, the, that just being down at the end. Is, so for those that aren't familiar with it and our international listeners and people all over the country, uh, this little beach that we were talking about is a crescent-shaped beach, beautiful sand, certain times of the year. Uh, really greatly impacted by storms over the years. And uh, can you talk a little bit about, so, and, and folks, when you go to look at the episode today, I'll, there'll be a map of this, but you remember that growing up that there was a neighborhood back there, right? On the, at the on Tomway Extension? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so can you talk a little bit about that and how that's changed? So when we were growing up, I mean, the road that's there right now was on the other side of the houses that are there. Incredible. And there was a whole other row of houses in front of that. Um, yeah, it, after that, well, I, I wasn't alive at the blizzard of 78. Right. My parents tell me about it and stuff. But 
the 90 storm there, we went down and just like looking at all the houses just smashed. One of the houses had a car under it. The car was like holding it up and, and none of those ones rebuilt. But then sometime after, sometime after that, um, I forget what storm it was, but then they just completely stopped rebuilding them. They ended up, they floated one house off the beach out and brought it somewhere. Yeah, it's in the harbor, right? Like they brought it near the harbor, I yeah, think. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. So that one's, they brought into the harbor. Crazy, then and, and they had the to do that one, at the high tide. Yeah, I, yeah. From, if I remember the story correctly. Yeah, right? and then Crazy. the other one's right down on Gilson, this one too. Unbelievable. So, right? And obviously never rebuilt. And I mean, looking at it now, could you there? Could you even imagine if there was houses? Yeah, it oh, it, it's amazing. I know my sister in law Sarah used to have a. Uh, it's a ama- that incredible. She used to have a paper route that was because there were enough houses and a paved road. Right, yeah. there was a paved yeah. road. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, so I mean, that just tells you the power of the ocean. Right? Oh, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, and how much it's changed things over time. So, um, so Jared grew up uh, right here in Situate, and he's now a commercial fisherman. Uh, tell us a little bit, Jared. Uh, so you uh, are the captain of the Mildred. Tell us a little bit about kind of how you transfer. You talked about lobstering and mossing and those types of things. How did you get to where you are today as the owner of the Mildred and sort of the path that led you to that direction? So when I was, well, I grew up on sailboats, so I was always on the ocean. I learned a lot about wind and, and just paying attention to you know, I mostly wind. Wind was a big, obviously, huge part of sailing. It. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then, some of my buddies around here, their parents were lobstermen and stuff. And we got they had skiffs. I ended up getting a skiff. So, can you explain to folks what a skiff so is? A skiff, so they don't know anything it was about uh, fourteen feet. Just it was like an old wooden boat. We paid. I paid fifty bucks for it. I <laughs> love it. Uh, me and my father fiberglassed it in my backyard. Amazing! And, uh, you can get a gallon of milk for fifty bucks now, right? Like unreal. <laughs> the times have changed. Um, anyways, uh, so I, I uh, originally started mossing. The other kids were mossing. Oh, right, you got to tell it like so, so. Not growing up by the ocean, you say moss to me. I think it's something growing on a tree somewhere. So tell us so, all about this. Um, Irish sea moss. We sold it to a company that sold it, they would dry, would process it, which is like dry it and then grind it up. And then they sold it to Rolling Rock Beer. Which Amazing. Is Wait, funny. So, so when you say Irish sea moss, where do you even get it? Like, how do you know so, what it is? You, like, if I, if I want to go out and find Irish sea moss, you'd find me in the forest looking for something. So tell us more about that. So Irish sea moss, it's, um, it grows like along the tide line, just in, you know, at your average low tide it would be in anywhere from like two to eight feet of water, something like that. So you take. And what does it look like? It's it's like a yellow, uh, yellowish, reddish kind of seaweed, depending on how much sun has got to it. Got it. Um, it's about four inches tall, and uh, kind of almost looks like when you're looking at it from the boat, like looking down through the water, yep. it looks like cauliflower would look like, but more like a yellowish or like a maroon red color amazing and and how do you even extract it? how do you like what do you use how do you extract it so we used um like we had a it's a rake it's kind of i'm like using my hands yeah yeah no that's okay that's <laughs> um, fine it 
it's a a rake that was probably eighteen inches wide, maybe the I don't know what you call them, the tongs of the rake. Yep. Yep. Or like uh say eight inches and they're really tight together, almost like a comb. Okay. And then that's attached to a I think it was like a twelve foot pole. Wow. And uh yeah, and you rake it off you just Amazing. And so, you know, as we tie in uh, like some of the weather piece of that, like what are the ideal weather conditions for that stuff to grow? Is it tide related? It's sun related? Like what does that look like? Yeah, it it grows. It it goes like dormant. It's almost like, you know, your lawn. It kind of goes dormant. It doesn't really grow in the wintertime. Got it. Once the spring comes, it would uh, just start growing. Amazing. Yeah. And that, I mean, sounds incredibly difficult. Like is that... So, so let me ask you this. So some kids are working jobs at like Maria's, which is a local sub shop here in Situate. Some kids are driving the yacht club boat. You chose this incredibly difficult job. What, what was it that kind of drew you to that? Uh, probably the independence of being out on the boat by myself. Love away it. from my parents. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so how amazing is it that, you did something independently as a kid and now look where you are in your career now, right? Like yeah. an independent boat owner, right? Yeah. Like that, that's amazing that that was able to kind of get that started for you. Right. It, um, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, it's funny how it, I, I never really thought about it like that, but it, I guess it makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like and so, that. you know, part, like we were talking earlier, part of the reason for me even, you know, obviously the podcast about weather, but you know, a story like that to me is awesome because there's a, you know, it's a tie into the human experience of where you got to where you are now. So, um, all right. So tell us about, you know, kind of modern day. So you did the mossing stuff. You said you did some lobstering, which I'll share with you. I pulled up 10, a buddy of mine has 10, uh, has a, a not a commercial license, but what's the yeah, other? Uh, recreational. recreational. Right. He has a recreational um, lobstering license, but he has um, commercial pots. And so can you explain to folks, because I just learned this, the difference between commercial and residential pot or, or uh, traps or, or other tra- what not re- not commercial but what's the other recreational. one recreational can you explain the difference between those two types of pots? Uh, generally, I say just size, right? Uh, you okay. know, a recreational ones are smaller and easier to handle. Yeah, you know? and they don't have as many bricks, yeah. right? So this is what <laughs> I learned. So my buddy who like got a great laugh of me doing this. He had me pull, just so I could take the lobsters, he had me pull 10 of his pots that he said he has a recreational license for, but they're, you know, commercial-grade pot. By the, I couldn't even stand up at the end, right? So how long did you lobster? So when, you know, the whole time that we were mossing, I always had a recreational um, license. And then once you get into sixth grade, you're allowed to have a, what they call a student lobster license, which Amazing. is a 25 trap license. Is that still a thing? Yeah. Oh, it's wow. It's still a thing right awesome. now. Um, I love it. So you can have 25 traps. You can sell them commercially with your 25 traps. I think you're only allowed this some number. You're only allowed to be in possession of like 40 lobsters or something like that. Right. Um, and uh, so I had that growing up. Uh, so you're doing both. So you're mossing and you're lobstering. And again, there's other kids like you know, out just hanging out on the corner and not doing anything. You're doing these like incredibly laborious physical activity, but you're killing it, right? Like you're making money doing some of this stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, we were, 
Boston, we got ten cents a pound. So amazing. We could do when we were younger, you know, maybe five hundred pounds. As we got older, it, we so it, it's all tied. It's all low tide. Yeah. So when you have a double tide, which is like uh, four o'clock in the morning, low tide, and then four o'clock in the afternoon, low tide. So you can do double tide. So you could do like, you know, get twelve, fourteen hundred. Maybe even a little bit more <laughs> on the double tide. So I mean, yeah, go go back to the mid nineties, I guess. Yeah. And for a fourteen year old to be making hundred and fifty bucks a day was like awesome. That's <laughs> incredible, right? Like who that's unbelievable. And you know, to think of I, I and you said it, you know, again from a weather perspective, um, and just from an ocean perspective, like it's all about those tides. You get so if you had those double tides, so you had some days that just per- worked out perfectly. And you, you know, you guys had your tide charts and mapped it out. Now it was you and how many other people roughly? Uh, there was like probably like six or seven of us. Awesome. Usually. Amazing. All the, all the older guys called us the mosquito fleet. <laughs> yeah. I love it. The mosquito fleet. Fabulous. Uh, love it. Uh, all right. So you're lobstering in high school, you're mossing in high school. Uh, how do we make the transition to where you're headed now? When I was 15, we got coming home. We came in from Mawson, unloaded like we do, like we did every other day. And uh, the guy that bought the Moss said, we lost the contract with Rolling Rock. We're done. And we all were sitting there, you know, sulking, hanging our heads. And uh, where we keep where we kept our skiffs, it was on the Lobsterman's dock. So we were, I was walking down the ramp and... Uh, so this is the day this happened. The, the day, day that, the the, day that the, the, your I, mossing career is over. The day my mossing career is over, I'm walking up the gangway off the dock. One of the lobstermen's walking down. He's like, you know, could tell I was bummed out. He said, what's up? I said, oh, they're not mossing anymore. He said, you want to go lobstering? Come and on. I said, yeah. And I went the next day. <laughs> and then, so you're and, un, you were unemployed for about 10 minutes. Yeah, probably not even. Oh, my goodness. Right? What And, and what an amazing... You know, I'm a firm believer that uh, everybody's path sort of works out for a reason, good, bad, and different, whatever that is. And talk about, imagine that guy gets a flat tire and isn't there to see you coming up the gangway, right? Yeah. Like, or the, amazing. Yeah, I have no so idea. So started lobstering the next day. Started lobstering the next day. Uh, I'd never been on, a, like, a big boat doing it. Um, I'd only done it on, on out of my skiff by myself. Right. <laughs> and, uh Showed up with no skins, no boots, no anything. Uh, tell us about skins, if for those who don't so, know. So uh, skins are just like your rubber pants, Got um, it. you know, and obviously rubber boots. Right. And uh, yeah, I had nothing. I was when I went lost room, we just went in a bathing suit. So oh my god. Uh, um, I went. I ended up worked for him for I don't know three, three four years, okay. and then bounced around on a few other boats and. Finally found a guy that was going to let me take a boat by myself. I started working for him. Awesome. For, I don't know, about six years. And, and this was lobstering also? The, uh, so lobstering um, lobstering first, then the last guy that I worked for was um, ground fishing with gill nets. Okay. And uh, he let me run the boat, so I stayed with him. Great. And, Great. Learned uh, a lot, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? He taught me so much. He, like so much about the ocean and fishing and just figuring out 
the bottom of the ocean and right. everything, every aspect of fishing, basically. Amazing. And uh, and so so now you own the Mildred. Yeah. Um, you've been in business for yourself. How about how long? Uh, I bought the boat off of that off of that guy um, thirteen years ago. Oh wow, that's incredible. So, and I assume, and I I think this is I don't know if this is a myth or not, but you don't change the boat's name. Correct, like that. Is that bad luck, or is yeah, that a thing? Yeah, there's all sorts of superstitions. Okay, uh, but so it was no, always it was it always, was always the it's been the Mildred since I don't know. I think probably the eight, early '80s. Right, and so I, I had we were talking before we got started. So that's a trawler, or tell tell me, I don't know anything about boats. So it, it's like a it's a Novi style boat. It comes from Nova Scotia. Got it. It was built in uh, Nova Scotia, brought down. Uh, I'm not positive what year it was brought down no, that's at some point in the 80s. and uh, Amazing. Yeah. So my in-laws are from Nova Scotia, so there's a little tie right there. Our daughter's name Scotia, right? Yeah, so yeah. I love it. Love it. Um, so, uh, you know, your office is the Atlantic Ocean. You know, if there's anybody, it's funny. So uh, Jared and I met a number of years ago. Uh, you know, we talk all the time sort of on Facebook Messenger about the weather and hey, did you see this storm that's starting to form? You know, ten days out when everybody else is kind of going through their life, uh, he, he and I, the two weather geeks, are just you know processing what's going to come and what do you think of this and did you see the winds on that? So you know, like I said, your office is the Atlantic Ocean, and you know, there's so many people that wake up every day. Sadly, there's a lot of people in the world that hate their job. They go to work every day and they're miserable. And they're counting the days till their retirement. Can you talk a little bit about just the freedom about being out in the ocean and how the weather impacts what you do? Um, yeah. So, well, uh, I, I love the freedom. I, I get up as early as I can, get out there, and just get away from people. <laughs> love it. <laughs> um, and the, basically, fishing weather's everything. Um, you know, uh, tomorrow uh, it's a light east wind that nobody else in the world's gonna even notice i can't go fishing uh what i'm doing right now clamming right now because um just it's too risky being in uh kind of close to shore yep an east wind any sort of breakdown or anything like that and uh i don't have i, I just won't have time to get everything squared away before i'm blowing in on the beach so, oh wow okay so even a light you know, 10 mile an hour east wind that will push you toward the beach and ground you. Yeah. Wow. In a, if in a, you know, obviously like a worst case scenario situation, but I don't want to be in that situation. Right. So, so right. So most people are like, oh, <laughs> east wind, what, that means nothing. You like, you know, some people can't go to work because it's snowing. They can't drive there. You have a slight east wind and you can't go to work. No. Right. Not tomorrow. Amazing. Yeah. Um, tell, tell me a little bit more about just when you talk about, your day-to-day, the weather is everything to what you do. What other sort of conditions and stuff do you deal with that are important weather-wise for what you do? Um, so, you know, so when you well, check your forecast and stuff like that, like... Well, it just, you know, different types of, different times of year for me uh, is big. Cause I, I bounce around. Right now I'm clamming. In the fall I'm lobstering. I have all my lobster gear in the water. So that's when I'm, you know, really paying attention to... A long-term forecast right and how many pots uh, i have 550 right now wow which isn't it's and, not enough and i need what, more what's the it's not enough i love it what's the limit it, uh 800 800 pots we have 550 yep. in right now so 
you know, when, when, go ahead, keep going. Sorry, when you're well, saying about the year and those types of things. Well, yeah, so I, I don't have my lobster traps in right now. Got it. They're in my Got yard. It. But, you know, long-term forecast, if we're having a big easterly, uh, northeaster coming, I got to move my gear. I got to get it into different types of bottom, deeper water. Right. Get everything prepared. Then I got to get the, you know, the boat side of it, everything squared away. So that's where just constantly watching weather yeah but we want we like the easterlies easterlies stir things up that makes fish move when we're fishing right lobsters move or or stop moving right um so it's everything's yeah it, everything revolves around wind ocean and yeah weather. and so what are your kind of go-to if you use an app or you use for our folks that are the weather geeks amongst us what's your kind of go-to uh, app or anything you go to to check out to get ready. So I I always use um, the Coastal Marine Forecast put out by NOAA. Yep. Um, they are semi accurate. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. It's <laughs> tough. It's a tough career. Um, and then I use uh, Magic Seaweed, yep. which I, I awesome. know I've t- talked to you about before. Yeah. And uh, and then Windy app. Great. So and, so uh, Windy is the name of it. Okay. Yep. So the Windy app. Uh, the NOAA Coastal Marine Forecast, yep. and it's called Magic Seaweed. Uh, these are not sponsors, by the way, for anyone that's listening. These are not sponsors, but they're all really good apps used yeah. by a professional fisherman. So if they're good enough for a professional fisherman, they're good enough for the rest of us. Um, how about, so there's an, old, there's an old-time meteorologist uh, that, in New England who used to say, his name was Don Kent, and before he went on the air, he used to say, the last thing he did was look out the window or go stand outside before he stood in front of the camera. Do you ever look at an app, look at the information, but then go outside and say, ah, this doesn't seem right? Does that ever? Uh, all the time. All the time. I, I tell uh, I the weather guy, Tim Kelly. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll text him all the time and be like, what are you talking about? Southwest, it's blowing northeast here, you know? Right, it, and, right. Uh, and, he always says the life of a weatherman and yeah. stuff. It, it's, it's, we're constantly doing that. But yeah. You gotta, that's why I use all those different pieces and try to like basically build my own forecast or try to find one that says something different and then figure out why. Yeah. Amazing. It's just, it's just your whole, like we said, your whole career is dependent upon it. So uh, I wanted to ask, so Jared had a couple of years ago, had a, a experience with a great white shark um, we had talked kind of off air beforehand, uh, he wanted, if he wanted to even talk about it, but, um, it was just an unbelievable experience that I was, I had a part of in regards to just coming to the dock to see it. And, you know, from the land-based end of it, it was unbelievable because you talk about a small town or even just the wave of communication, you know, as Jared's boat was returning from coming in from the ocean, there were people already saying, there's a great white shark that the, uh, down at the town pier. There's a great white shark that's coming in. Um, so can you just kind of take us a little bit uh, about the type of day it was, the experience and all those things? So go ahead. So I was hauling gill nets. Just Which like, means, for those that don't know, take for, us through that. Uh, so we're ground fishing. We're fishing, targeting flounders, lobsters. Great. So those nets roll, not roll, so, sorry. No, they're, they... You set them out; they stay in place. It's it's almost like a 
chain link fence per se. Okay. Uh, Flounder nets is what I was using. Okay. They're tied down, so they only stand up three feet tall. And they're on the bottom of the ocean. On the bottom of the ocean. Got it. Bottom line is made of lead. They sit there. There's anchors on either end. Got it. Um, So, um, well, I'm hauling along. We're just, you know, doing our regular thing, picking fish and and lobsters. And uh, all of a sudden, I, I saw this thing coming up and jokingly I said oh it's a great white and then all of a sudden it came up occasionally we've got other sharks before right um and and every time I always jokingly say oh it's a great white well this one it come up it it got to the surface and it kind of rolled and I saw the teeth and I was like holy oh (laughs) oh my goodness it's a great white shark it's a wow so uh so we tied it off um we got it untangled from the net, tied yep. it off. It was dead. Yep. And um, so obviously, I mean, that's part of what you do. You you know, you're not intentionally trying to catch the great white shark. This is just what is what it was, right? So, um, yeah, so tell us about sort of where it went from there. So we, we, we tied it off the boat, um, and we had the guy that I used to work for, I, I fish alongside him all the time now. He had done some work for with Greg Skolmel before. And Greg had always said, if you guys ever get one, please call. Okay, so please you tell, tell us a little. Now, for those not familiar with Greg, Greg's Greg Skolmel's the Massachusetts, I, th- I think he's head of Massachusetts shark biologist or something. Yeah. yeah I, he, I don't know his yeah. exact title. Yeah, but. no, he's he is a world famous, that's correct, right? I, 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 oh, yeah. World, yeah. Absolutely world famous shark scientist that's been on the Cape studying and uh, tagging sharks. And so... Uh, sorry. So his but your buddy tells you. So he you had. Call Greg. He had. Yeah. So he had Greg's phone number. So, so I, by the way, if, I, if you're if you're like a weather junkie or you're a science junkie, if you have Greg Skolmel's cell phone, you're like legit, right? Like this is a big <laughs> deal, right? Yeah. It, yeah, we were. It it was pretty funny to yeah. call this him. This guy's a rock star. Yeah. You know, I, for most people that don't know, the Greg Skolmel is a like weather and shark rock star. Yeah. So. He's on. On Shark Week, yeah, um, but uh, yeah, so I got a hold of him. I think I talked to his uh, his secretary, and then he immediately called me back and wanted to know about it. Wanted to, you know, how how long is it? How bad is it? How bad is it? Meaning, how dead is it? Right. You know, is it decomposing or is it fresh? Or um, so I I told him it was fresh. It was very fresh. It had. It was, the net was on a two-day set, so it was less than two days. I don't know how long. Right, could have been twenty minutes before. Yeah, I have no idea. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, and he said, "Yeah, I want it." And he did tell me. He said, "It's going to be. It's going to turn into a big thing." So <laughs> fascinating, <laughs> he right? Said, don't put any pictures on Facebook. Oh boy. And uh, so which I didn't. I, right. I didn't. And um, and uh, I had to. My friend that I called that had Greg's phone number. I called. They had to come over and help. It took five of us to get the shark up onto the uh, six of us, six of us to get the shark up onto the boat. Um, Unbelievable! I mean, it was whatever. I don't even remember what it was. Just shy six hundred pounds, yeah. I think. Yeah, and, and uh, it was a female. Is that correct? It was a female. Yep. yep. And which and they they said it was fifteen years old, and that's juvenile. Amazing. Which I couldn't believe. Um, that that like I I really. Couldn't believe that they considered a 15-year-old shark juvenile. Right. Um, right. 
which obviously I, you know, it makes sense. Yeah. They've been around for millions of years. Yeah. Amazing. And I remember, so just having witnessed this, I would, the thing I was, first of all, I couldn't believe Greg Scomo was on the town pier in situated. I I was more, I was just as excited. There was him, but then to watch the biologist, uh, whoever she was that came with him to watch her do the necropsy of the fish afterward was stunning. I mean, you talk about someone who's so skilled at what she did. She cut right along the vent line and took out the liver, which was just this massive organ that we were just blown away by. And then if I recall, there was, I don't know, there was a baby seal, right? There was a baby seal, yep. Yep, there was a a striper, striper, right? There was a good size. So for those that don't know, a striper is a striped bass. Uh, called that because of the stripes along the side of the bass, and what, what was there anything else that was that, that was all that was in it, right? But they uh, they were able to process what it was eating. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was the, the striper was like clean bit in half, which I thought was wicked cool. Right. Um, yeah. Then they took they took an eyeball for whatever they you know trying to study right how they see or something right and um, and then they took. Uh, a um, piece of the spine, okay, and a, a piece of the liver. Yep, uh, the ovary. Amazing. Um, yeah, all sorts of different little pieces, and nothing like giant, just little pieces of each different thing. Right. So, uh, so from you know what some people kind of saw as like a sad event, it actually there was a tremendous amount of great knowledge in the scientific community that came because of that. You oh, know, right? yeah. It was. I was so when I originally met when Greg pulled into the pier, which there was hundreds of people down there, right. I think, at that point. Right. Um, he pulled in, and I, I thought he was going to be mad at me. Cause Interesting. Because, I, I, like, you know, I felt like I, like, killed his baby or something. Right, 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 right. And um, But he was so excited. I couldn't believe. And the, the lady that you were talking about that, that cut the fish, right. um, she was the same position as him for Rhode Island. Amazing. And... Um, and she said the same thing. She said, this is the first time we've been able to dissect a great white that's this fresh. Wow. And they were, like, so excited. So so the Mildred was a part. It's amazing. You were a part of kind of advancing science, right? I mean, if it's something that fresh, I mean. Yeah, they, it was. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm not going out. I don't want to kill them. Correct. I, but Correct. but it, if to, you do and, yeah, and they can gain something from it, then it's not a total loss awesome I, that just just it was it, that's such an amazing story and think about how many people in their life on earth can say that they were a part of that right certainly not a lot so that's what that's you know in choosing my guests that's really that was a big reason why um you know i knew you'd have some great stories like that so if you're you know you're a professional fisherman you've owned your own boat for 13 years just you know a lot you're a businessman a lot of incredible stuff is there any time, you know, where there's either a weather condition or uh, an event? Is there anything where you either second guess or you say to yourself, "Wow, this is definitely not good"? Like, is there what what concerns you as a professional fisherman when it comes to weather in general? Um. Well, I guess there's kind of two aspects to it. So. What concerns me the most when I'm on the boat is fog. I'm not worried about me. Wow. I'm worried about other people on their boats. Fascinating. Um, 
just uh, just uh, having nowhere to go. Well, just not knowing where this, they are. Uh, just last week, I think in uh, Nantucket Sound, I think, or yeah. somewhere down there, some guy was on a big, huge forty foot boat, didn't know how to use his electronics in the thick fog, and just ran a uh, fishing boat right over, sank it. Kidding in me. Like five minutes, yeah. Oh my goodness. And that's that's my biggest fear because uh, I have you, no control others. over it. Yeah. Right. Uh, um, yeah, exactly. I'm not worried about me like getting lost in the fog or anything like that. I'm worried about somebody hitting me, basically. So, you know, we don't own a boat. We've looked into it. One of the big takeaways I've gotten, everyone's told us, is if you're going to be, take the boat safety course, safety course, right? I mean, at, at minimum. Like, I didn't grow around boats. I grew up around boats. My wife didn't. But you can become educated in that events right like you you should take at minimum so let's so so for folks that are listening that are new to boating so much they can learn from what you just said know your electronics know your weather take the course right like all those things absolutely definitely recommend the course if you're gonna have a big boat you know right know how to use it yeah that that guy that i was telling you about had his radar on 12 mile scan so So, it it, which is i don't so tell us a little bit more about that it would pick up maybe a ship 12 miles ago, but it's not going to pick up a little. You're not going to see it pick up. Anything that's, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's okay. not gonna, Anything that's when closer, it's close, yeah. you're not going to see it. It just doesn't It's going to be up. like a tiniest little speck. Oh, and, and so uh, he just went right through it. Yeah, so uh, he just had no idea. Amazing. So fog was one aspect. What was the other so piece? The, I mean, basically northeast wind. Got it. You know, heavy wind. Um, I, I still feel like I have control. Right when uh, in that situation, but sometimes it you have to know when to turn around. Right. So, has there ever been a storm or a situation you're out to see where you were like, "Wow, this is way worse than I anticipated," or you're like, "We got to get out of here." Um. Well, I've turned around. You know my mother. Yeah. <laughs> one time we By the way, around. this is a great part. I was going to wait to the end of the podcast to say this. Your mother said you need to go to the house and get your boat out of her backyard. Okay, so just remember that. I love uh, it. Um, one day we we went out. It was like it was northeast. It How was, long ago was this now? Uh, I don't know. Probably ten years ago or Got something. It. Okay, uh, maybe even more. And uh, it was northeast. It was probably blowing like thirty five or something. Right. And we had no business being out there, but it was fun, and we were young and thought it was cool. And we ended up turning around. And uh, when I got in, my mother was sitting on the pier crying because she's like, because <laughs> she, she, she thought it knew. was too rough for yeah, me to be out. Did. Like, um, I got two kids working for me. Um, you don't have to be a crying about. I me, love but, it, love um, it. So, so the love of a mother it <laughs> extends all the way out to the ocean, right? Like, I love uh, it. But fun. how amazing is it that she knew? That, that's where the wind was blowing, so, right? That's yeah. part of where you get it from. Yeah, I know, uh, that, I guess, yeah. I love it. That's amazing. Um, so as we get ready to kind of wrap up here, uh, you know, we t- you talked a little bit about some of the, the pieces that, you know, from a concerning standpoint, what's just your ideal weather day? You know, like you said to get up early, you're out there. Like what are, what are your, if you were to pick the ideal day for what you do, what would it be? Um, I personally like, I love the winter. I, I love the winter. I can always put more clothes on. I'm never dying of heat. 
Um, so I would say like 35 degrees, flat calm, you know, nice. There's nobody else out there. Yeah, which is the amazing. The only other people out there is just other fishermen. Right. And, uh, you yeah. know, you can just go do your thing. So interesting. You'd, you'd never, you know, I guess anybody that would say, hey, I'm, you know, you're interviewing a fisherman. They must love beautiful, sunny, warm days. Just the opposite. And you talked a little bit about seeing other other fishermen. Can you talk a little bit about, I guess for lack of a better term, uh, that camaraderie? You know, what does that look like uh, that other people can't really understand? Um, I, I think it's really strong on the dock and, in, you know, talking with people that may be opposed to commercial fishing and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it's a big competition on the ocean. Wow. So it, it there's not a, I guess, I guess there's, you'd never leave somebody hanging if somebody breaks down or something like that. But, but there's a lot of, uh, dirty looks and wow. stuff like that out on the ocean. It, it it's a kind of a different world. A little Amazing. Bit old so, school out yeah, there. Yeah. So life on the, <laughs> life on the dock, people get along really well, but a little bit more competitive out to sea. Yeah. Um, I get, so my final question to you is, uh, you know, as you look at kind of going forward, uh, you're married, you have three kids, uh, you know, what would, what would your, your kind of legacy want to be surrounding your career in the ocean and weather uh, for your family as you sort of move on in your career? Well, if, I, if fishing stays going the way that it's going, I mean, I'm earning a living, I'm, you know, I'm raising a family of five and I would love for my son to do it. I don't know if we'll, we'll see when he gets older. Um, I, I just, I want them to respect what I do, you know, but not never be scared of the ocean, you know, know, know your limits, know what you can do, what you can't do and just have fun on the ocean. Yeah. And it's, it's so great. Like, you know, there are so many people, you know, you see, I'm sure you see it on the weekend. You see yahoos. You see people that are just out there, you know. Then they add alcohol to the mix, and then they add too many people on a boat. And, you know, one of my favorite scenes in Jaws of all time is when uh, they're looking out at the boat, and he says, hey, that that boat's going to be overloaded. You're going to sink that thing. And they all just kind of dismiss them, right? Like, you see all that craziness out there. But to be able to pass on that love of the ocean and, and the respect. I mean, if you don't respect the ocean and the weather that it presents, then you're in a lot of trouble, Yeah, right? It, the, it'll win. It, yeah, um, that, that, that's a great way to put it. The ocean always wins, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you look at it from a storm's perspective, like who's going to stop the ocean? Yeah, uh, nothing. <laughs> right, nothing or nobody. So um, amazing uh, to have Jared here in studio here today. So uh, we're going to wrap things up here with the end of our interview with uh, the answer to our uh, weather quiz, and remember, the weather quiz question was, what are the conditions that make up a heat wave? Jared, any idea? Uh, what, four consecutive days over 90? Close. Oh, right, right there. So to be con- considered to be an official heat wave, it's three consecutive days of at least 90 degrees Fahrenheit or 32 degrees Celsius uh, for our international listeners to be able to uh, classify things as an actual heat wave. 
Um, I'd love to let our guests share sort of how we can contact them. Uh, so, Jared, your contact information uh, that you want to share with folks? Uh, I'm K-J-A-R-L-O-B at uh, hotmail.com or email. Um, K-J-A-R-L-O-B is my, I'm pretty sure that's my Instagram and Twitter. Yep, and so K-Jarl-Lob. Yeah. <laughs> Where does that come from? Uh, that was when I was, I don't know, when did AOL come out? Classic. <laughs> Whenever AOL came out, it was Jared Lobster. Love it. And uh, and then a K so, for Kahlberg so in front of it. So your, your old uh, my AOL old, stuff. A, yeah, my old AIM name. <laughs> Love it. And so for, for our younger listeners that have no idea what that is, you're going to have to Google that and look that up. So Jared Kahlberg, amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much. So that wraps up this episode of Obsessed with the Weather. Thank you so much for joining me this week. You can find out more about today's show as well as upcoming episodes by visiting obsessedwiththeweather.com. Again, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever your listening device is. Or again, you can visit obsessedwiththeweather.com to find out more. And I look forward to next week.